So thank you so much for coming here this morning. Once again, it's nice to see all of your smiling faces, and it's exciting to think that we are a week away from Easter. Man, that's wild. It's hard to believe two Easter's ago we actually weren't meeting at the church. I think that was the first time ever. And so here we are. Man, exciting. Easter's right around the bend. So I'm excited about that. And so, um, you know, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, we've actually been talking through a series entitled, You're Invited. Can you look to your neighbor and say, you're invited. Now look to your other neighbor and say, even you're invited. Now look to your other neighbor, very condescending, and say, even you're invited. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I'm here for counseling afterwards, so perfect. Um, so we started this new series entitled, You're Invited, and we're, oh my goodness, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start anything. So we're starting, let me start all over again. We are starting a new series entitled, You're Invited, and actually we started a couple weeks ago, and we kind of laid the guideline, and we talked about how Paul spoke to Timothy and said to Timothy, Timothy, you need to be, you, you need to be ready to preach the word, you need to be ready in season and out of season. And we talked about that and how that's applicable for us and how God has called us to be ready to preach the word and to be ready in season and out of season. And so we've been just kept been kind of going through some like big questions of the faith. Last, last week we talked about what's really different about Christianity, like what makes Christianity different? We talked about the parable of the prodigal son. We kind of use that as a launching board and we use that as a way to talk about how, how Christianity is different. And, uh, and actually, we, had, we actually, uh, uh, our youth pastor, Pastor Nate, made some really cool cards that say, you're invited. And so we're encouraging people that when you leave, you can grab some cards and you can invite your friends to church next week. And so, um, you know, sharing your faith can be difficult. Um, it can be hard. Um, often we deal with uh, fears. We, we deal with maybe lack of training. We deal with um, maybe even sometimes, if we're completely honest, just a lack of concern. And so... Yeah, so over the next few weeks, uh, next week, we're actually, again, we're kind of a special series entitled The Name, and then we're coming back again to the series You're Invited, and we're just, we're just tackling some, some questions that people might have about their faith. And so, you know, today specifically, I wanted to talk about the idea of people being undecisive. Have you met anyone who's been undecisive before? Are you undecisive? Did I, did I raise my hand? Should I not? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should. <laughs> We're going to talk about the idea of being undecisive. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter 27. And we're actually going to be reading uh, verses 11 through 22. I'm going to read the text and then after that, I'm going to set a little bit of a context, and then um, we're going to delve into it. So Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 22, it says, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Uh, you have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they, bring, they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was that the governor's custom at the festival was to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. Can you look at your neighbor and say the crowd? Yeah, the crowd, chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was uh, Jesus Barabbas. 
So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Uh, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that he had handed Jesus over to them, over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Can you guys say that with me? What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Let's say that one more time. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they answered, crucify him. Lord, be with us today as we go into your word. I pray that you'll open our eyes and hearts to what you have for us. May may I be a vessel that speaks your truth and your word with power and May you be glorified, and I just pray that you'll minister to people this morning that maybe have been indecisive. Uh, maybe they've been sitting on the fence, and they've been just kind of waiting and looking at the evidence, but just sitting on the fence, just chilling. And um, I pray that today will be the day of salvation for them, and I pray that today um, you will Uh, move in their hearts and in their minds. I pray that today that they will choose to follow you. Uh, Today um, they will just uh, proactively go after you and that you'll change their hearts and that you'll work through the reading of your word. In your holy name, amen. So let me just kind of set the stage for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it a little bit and then I'm going to, I just have a couple observations. So um, in Matthew chapter 26, we read in Matthew chapter 27, that was the passage that we just read, read, but if you look at the context, Matthew chapter 26 leading in, so these are kind of like the final hours of Jesus' life. It's leading into, it's getting closer and closer to his crucifixion, and so, so kind of Matthew chapter 26 goes into Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, and in Matthew chapter 26, we see the, the Last Supper where Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and um, we see the Last Supper, we see the praying at uh, the garden and we see the disciples falling asleep and, and the praying and the falling asleep and the praying and the falling asleep. And we see that Judas uh, came with the crowd and arrested Jesus. And we see that when uh, Jesus was arrested, the disciples scattered. And what happened after that actually is that um, the crowd took um, Jesus to the Sanhedrin, to a high priest named Caiaphas. And they brought witnesses before Jesus, and they accused him of blasphemy, and they spit on him, and they struck him with their fists, and um, they did a bunch of stuff. They were very, obviously, bad. They were beating him. And um, so after uh, they took him before the Sanhedrin, and they took him before Caiaphas, the high priest, um, they took him to uh, Pilate. And you might wonder, like, why would they just not kill him themselves, right? Why wouldn't they just do that themselves? But... Um, Back uh, then, um, Pilate had the power of life and death in his hands. And so they could could bring people before Pilate, but Pilate was kind of like the supreme judge. So he would say yay or nay, and so he could be like, release him, or he could be like, crucify him. And so um, they were going through the motions. They were taking him to Pilate because they wanted to kill him. Pilate was the governor of Judea between 26 and 36 A.D., 
He was a man of power and prestige. He um, could he had the power to collect taxes and to collect tribute. Um, he had civil power and religious power. And again, he was like the supreme judge. So people would bring uh, people that were accused before Pilate, and Pilate, again, he'd be like, yep, you can kill him. No, you can't kill him. And so he, life and death was in his hands. And so, um, so that's kind of setting the stage for what's happening next. And so, again, if we go back to verse 11, so they brought him before Pilate. And so he stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, you have said so, Jesus replied. When, they had, when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, uh, he gave no answer. So, so, so they brought him before the governor. He's asking him questions um, that they were accusing him of. And he's not really answering. He's just kind of, you know, you have said so. So you'd think if, if people are accusing you of all sorts of things and blasphemy and everything else that you would, I don't know, there would be more of a response. But he doesn't say much. And it's interesting because actually if you look at the Gospel of Luke, you can see that there were three times that Pontius Pilate uh, couldn't find fault with Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, verse 4, and Luke chapter 23, verse 14 and 15, and in Luke chapter 23, verse 22. And so, so, so Pilate's kind of trying to find a way to not crucify Jesus. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festivals, again, going back in, in verse 15, to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. Um, at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? For he knew that it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. So it was the Passover, um, and it was the custom for the governor to release a prisoner. So kind of in a ploy to release, uh, to appease the crowd, um, he was trying to release Jesus. And um, it's interesting because um, here's Pilate, and here's a big decision. And you think about it, and there, there's, there's stuff on both sides of the argument for him. So the crowds are telling, like I can just imagine Pilate thinking in his mind as he's trying to make this decision. So I'm trying to get this guy to talk, and he's not really saying anything. You can see a little bit of his dialogue in, in, in the Gospel of John, but in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it, it, it really doesn't give much dialogue. Um, but I'm trying, I'm trying, to, I'm trying, to, get, I'm trying to, to get this guy to talk, and he's not really saying too much. Um, the crowds are telling me to crucify him. Uh, my wife is telling me that she had a dream about him. Um, he's, he's, the religious people are saying that he's crazy and that he's full of blasphemy. He, again, he's not really answering many of my questions. My political influences are telling me to just keep him quiet. What should I do with Jesus? What should I do with Jesus? Like, what should I do with Jesus? I don't know. I mean, there's stuff on both sides of the argument, but what, what should I do with Jesus? What then should I do with Jesus? Man, this is a really big question. It's a question that, that Pilate was dealing with, but I would also argue that it's a question that we're, de we're dealing with today as well. It's a big question. It's a, it's a huge question. 
Um, this is a time of decision for Pilate. It's a, it's, a, it's a big decision. It's a huge decision. What should I do with Jesus? The, the, the crowds will tell you to throw him out. The crowds will tell you to disregard him. But what should I do with Jesus? And it's interesting because when you look at um, Pilate's response, it's almost like he was trying to slough off his responsibility. And I think that sometimes it's easier to not make a decision than to choose a side at all. You know, I'm just going to chill here in the middle. But have you ever thought that indecision is really kind of a decision in and of itself. Like when you're deciding not to decide, you're not necessarily choosing the crowd, but you're not necessarily choosing Jesus either. Here's some advice for you today. Maybe you're in that spot of indecision. Maybe you're in that spot of you've looked at the evidence, or maybe you haven't, and you've decided that, you know what, I'm just going to chill here in the middle. I'm going to not make any decision. I mean, again, some of us love indecision. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna choose anything. Um, here are some thoughts for you today. Okay. Here's some advice. Number one, look to your neighbor and say, "Number one, the crowd can be misleading. The crowd can be misleading." Now, now, think about it, okay? So, so let's imagine you're a bystander back in ancient biblical times. And uh, let, let's say you, 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 you go out and um, you're, you're there some 2,000 years ago. And, and you hear about this man named Jesus. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And, and you go and you, you see the multitudes of people that are following him, Right? You're like, oh my, you see it in the scripture many times, the multitudes, the multitudes, the multitudes, the people that are following him, the people that are following, the multitudes of people over and over and over, over and over again, right? So, 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 so you're excited. You, you see the crowds. You see the people. You see, you hear his teaching. You, you, you hear his, um, you see him heal people. You, you, you see the crowds. You're so excited. And even, 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 let's say, uh, you, you, you go and you look and you're like, wow, I cannot believe it. Like, this guy is so amazing. Look at these people that are all about it. But think about it. Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, there were people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And one week later, they were the same people that were, crowd, that were shouting, crucify him. The crowd can be misleading. And I would argue that the crowd is always moving. With the crowd, what's popular today is not necessarily what's going to be popular tomorrow. With the crowd, what's truth today isn't necessarily going to be what's truth tomorrow. The crowd is fickle. The crowd is emotional. The crowd is easily swayed. And there are a lot of people that are satisfied by just following the crowd. Man, if you're in a spot of indecision, if you're just following the crowd, 
things are going to change. There's going to be there's going to be one day one 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 way one way one minute and another day, and another and another way the next. The crowd can be misleading. And maybe you're in a spot of indecision and you've just been following the crowd and following the crowd and following the crowd and you feel like you're more confused now than what you were before. Anyone else like that? Like you turn on the news one day and turn on the news the next. It's like, I don't even know what to think anymore. The crowd can be misleading, man. You know, the crowd can be so misleading. The crowd is fickle. The crowd is emotional. And the crowd is easily swayed. Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd if you're looking to make a decision. Even Jesus, after he fed the 5,000 and uh, he performed the miracle with the bread and the loaves and the fish, it says that when he began to speak, it says that the, the crowds actually left him afterwards. The crowd can be misleading. If you're in a place of, dis- of indecision, the crowd can be misleading. The crowd was trying to, was trying to tell Pilate, so, so one minute they're saying Hosanna, and the next minute they're telling Pilate that they wanted to crucify him. The, cow, the crowd can be misleading. That's the first thought for you. The second thought for you today, not only can the crowd be mis- misleading, but if you're in a spot of indecision, I want, you, I want you to also think about exploring the truth for yourself. Can you look at your neighbor and say, explore the truth? Explore the truth. Now look to your other neighbor and say, explore the truth. Explore the truth for yourself. First of all, if you're, in a spot, if you're in a place of indecision, the crowd can be misleading. But also explore the truth for yourself. Uh, don't take someone else's word for it, but explore it for yourself. You know, I, every, I already know everything about the Bible. I already know everything about Jesus because my parents and my friends told me all about it. Because the crowd told me all about it. Listen, explore the truth for yourself. You know, listen, if Jesus ex- existed, which... Biblical scholars and historians believe, it's almost unanimous, that he was a man who existed. You might be surprised to know that, um, again, you might be surprised to know that there isn't much historical doubt that he existed and that he drew crowds and that he performed miracles and that he taught some amazing things and was crucified. All that has been historically documented. Take the time and explore it yourself. We actually have eyewitnesses accounts of Jesus' life. Take the time Explore it yourself, read the Gospels, and see. Explore the truth. The crowd can be misleading. Explore the truth for yourself. Have you ever, like, read someone's opinion on someone else? Or have you ever read, like, have you ever read a news story on CNN and then turned around and tried to read the same uh, news story on Fox News? And how it's just, like, completely different stories And you're like, what exactly is happening? Like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, explore the truth for yourself. And it's amazing because when you get into God's word, his word is living and active and it's powerful. When you get into his word, it can change you. It can transform you. And when you get into his word, if you just ask the spirit to reveal himself to you, he will reveal himself to you in ways that are indescribable, indescribable, unexplainable. Explore the truth for yourself. Don't follow, listen, the crowds can be misleading. The crowds can pull you to the left, to the right, up, down, all around, everywhere else. The crowds can be fickle. The crowds can be emotional. The crowds can lead you in all sorts of different places. What's right today is wrong tomorrow. What's wrong yesterday is right today with the crowd. Explore the truth for yourself. 
The word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, right? It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Like, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, we can go to his word and it can breathe life into our lungs. It can breathe life into our bodies, right? Explore the truth for yourself. I challenge you, if you've you've never delved into the word, explore the truth for yourself. It's interesting, there's a dialogue between Pilate and Jesus in, I think it's uh, John chapter 18, where where Jesus said, listen, I I am here to uh, reveal the truth. And Pilate says something interesting. He says, what is truth? Listen, explore the truth for yourself. You know, your, your, your faith is not your, you know, I always say it's, it's, it's interesting, like with, when, when we work with teenagers, it's like there becomes a time when you have to make it your own. You know what I'm talking about? You have to explore the truth yourself. The, the crowd can be misleading. Explore the truth for yourself. And a third thought if you're, if you're dealing with indecision is don't stand on the fence. Look to your neighbor and say, don't stand on the fence. No, literally, get off the fence. Tell them to get off the fence. Can't do it. Don't stand on the fence. <laughs> Don't stand on the fence. The crowd can be misleading. Explore the truth yourself. And don't don't stand on the fence. You know, I, I, it's not, I think I might be preaching to myself here a little bit. Because sometimes it's nice to have a trip and to not plan anything. To be completely spontaneous. Sometimes it's nice... Not to make a choice sometimes. Sometimes it's nice to sit back and just kind of let things sort itself out. Sometimes it's nice not to, uh, to have any skin in the game, you know. remember a few years ago at the bank, um, I, was, um, I was working there, and uh, my manager was out. She uh, Actually, our regional manager was out, and she was filling her spot. And so my manager was out filling the regional manager's spot. And so... They brought in another manager to manage us, okay? And we're like, yeah, right, you're going to manage us, right? You know, okay. So they brought another manager in to manage us. And, um, so another, another thing about working at the bank, if you got, I work at the bank. Another thing about working at the bank is it's, it's, it's very uh, dominated by women. And so uh, most of the branches that I've worked at, I've been the only man. And so there's lots of ladies. And um, there's been lots of fights, okay? And so... Um, <laughs> Someone said something to someone else, and someone else said something to someone else, and it was like, it was like an explosion in the branch. Like, they were crying and yelling at each other. It was insane. This was a few years ago. And again, our manager wasn't there, and the person who was in, who was trying to wrangle these crazy ladies, was like, uh, not doing a very good job and could not wrangle these ladies at all. And so, um, so then the regional manager came in, who was my manager, came in, and she was like, oh my goodness. They, they wrote up all the ladies, and like, they were all mad, and they're like, eh, how about And anyway, so anyway. It was, it was fun working at the bank, okay? And so anyways, uh, all these ladies are, like, all mad and, like, and, like, going at each other and stuff. And I remember one time they were fighting in the lobby, and they were, like, going at each other. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I walked up. I'm like, there's a customer sitting over there. And, oh, and they ran in the back, and we're all crying. It was crazy. It was insane. But <laughs> hopefully none of them are listening today. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, too late now. I already said it. Can we uh, edit that out, Matt? Um, so anyways, I, what would happen would be, after it all kind of went down, um, 
I'd be sitting in my office, and uh, one of them would come into my office and shut the door and just unload. They'd be like, you know, that, I'll make up some names, that Tanya, she is just a complete and utter tool. And they'd just go off, and I would sit there and I'd listen. There'd be tears in their eyes. They'd just be going off, and I'd be like, agree with everything they said. Yeah, I know, Tanya, you know, they'd leave. Like later that day, Trisha would come and shut the door, tears in her eyes. Ah, you know, and, and, and they, they would go off about the other person. And I would just nod and be like, yeah, I, and I'd agree with everything that they said. <laughs> and you know, there was some, I, I, I say that to say, man, there's some benefit to sitting on the fence. And there's some benefit to just agreeing with whatever anyone else says that's in front of you. And there's some benefit to, you know, the beautiful, about, the beautiful thing about indecision is that um, you don't have to choose sides. And the beautiful thing about indecision is you make, you don't make too many enemies. I mean, you might, you might later, but in the moment, you don't. Um, but this is, this is what I will say. I will say that the gospel in and of itself is something that demands a response. Jesus demands a response. Sometimes we might sit back and we might say, I'm just going to wash my hands of it, wash my hands of the responsibility. But Jesus demands a response. Listen, don't, don't stand on the fence. I like what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, as God's co-worker, he said, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time. Now is the day of God's salvation. Don't be indecisive. The crowd can be misleading be fickle. They can be emotional. They can be easily swayed. What's right today isn't necessarily what's right tomorrow. What's good today isn't what's good tomorrow. The crowd can be so misleading. Maybe you've been following the crowd. Stop following the crowd. Explore the truth for yourself. Man, this is the biggest moment in history. This is something that affects your eternity. Explore the truth for yourself. I already know what the Bible says. My parents told me, my friends told me the news. Explore the truth for yourself. We have an eyewitness, we have eyewitness accounts in the Bible. And don't stand on the fence. Sometimes it's nice to sit in the office and have the ladies come in and unload on you. Sometimes it's nice to be indecisive, to sit back and just do whatever. But listen, 
Don't stand on the fence. The gospel demands a response. Jesus is looking for a response. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. God's grace is available freely to us, but there is a responsibility to God's offer. Joshua was getting ready to die after he had led the people of Israel into the promised land, after they had um, fought many battles and defeated Jericho and went across the Jordan. The end of his life, speaking to the people of Israel. He says this, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, today I just pray for everyone who's here physically and also those who are listening online. I just pray that you will, oh man, move in them today, Father. Or you know what? I feel like indecision is such a big thing that we're faced in our culture today. And there's so many people that are following the crowds. There are so many people that are uh, not exploring your word. There are, there are so many uh, people that are sitting on the fence, God. And I pray again right now that you will move them and that you will uh, speak in their hearts, Father. I just pray that your conviction will fall upon them, Father. Maybe they've been being lukewarm or they've been doing their own thing for a long time, God. I, I pray that you'll, you'll call them back to you. I pray that you will draw them back into your presence, Father. I pray that you will make them uh, hot as coals, Father, and that you will uh, just set their hearts ablaze for you, Father. I pray that you will uh, just do a, a, a supernatural work in their hearts and in their minds. I pray that you will be glorified and that you will be magnified, God. I know that you are drawing all men to yourself, Father, and I, I pray that we will not be stuck in the rut of indecision, but that we will decide to follow you and that we will pursue you um, through all of our life in your holy name.